This episode may contain some explicit language. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Slap Dad Roof Show with your host, Evix24. Hello, everybody. Hopefully, everyone has enjoyed the weekend. It is playoff time, and that's what this show is all about. I'm going to do a little form new format, so I just talk about the topic, we'll give the announcements, and then we'll talk about the topics. On this show, today we're going to talk about the playoff preview, the ultimate guide of the playoffs. I will give you the ultimate guide, how to do the how the playoffs work, um, the drivers will be in there, you know, who's the favorite between each other, tracks that they're going to, and basically what to say. And of course, we're doing a playoff who, which I'll tell you about in just a moment. We will also be talking about a little bit about the F1 race on Sunday at Spa, or should we even call it a race? We'll talk about that because unfortunately we have to talk about it because it's absolutely what we saw on Sunday with the F1 race probably is one of the biggest embarrassments in F1 history. Probably maybe the biggest moment in embarrassing moment in F1 history. And I don't think it even comes as close to the United States Grand Prix in 2005. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, we got to talk about a couple things. I'm back to a schedule, so you will get an episode once a week. I will make an announcement, of course. We're doing a playoff pool, which uh, should be out right now. We're going to give away a $25 Amazon gift card. I think a $25 Amazon gift card. All you need to do is, one, be 18 or older, 18 or older to be participating in. Two, fill out your playoff grade. By Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I posted in the playoff submissions below, and then you're automatically entered in to see how you do. See how you do. The most person with the most accurate playoff grade wins. Wins and gets that gift card. It's going to be fun, exciting, free of entry, and it's a little fun. It gets you into the lower sports racing. So, I'm hoping we got one entry already in. I'm hoping we can get more in, and that's as of right now. So if you're listening to this, but like maybe way after 2021, you might, you might not get a, you might not get a uh, chance to see it. But here we are. But that's the thing. Well, big announcement as well. And if you're asking, okay, what do you, what are you gonna do for your playoff grade, Eric? Well, you got to into Friday, Friday's Twitch stream at twitch.tv/evix24. And of course, you can join the Discord from, I think I'll post the link in the description, or you can go to my Twitch channel and click on the uh, panel down there. Alright everybody, let's get on to today's topic. So what are the playoffs, really? Um, the playoffs are basically NASCAR's formation of trying to at least guarantee that the race will, the last race of the season is the Super Bowl, basically. Like... The race is determined on the final, the final, the championship is determined on the final race, like every other sporting event usually is. Yes, NASCAR has come up with the generic point system, but the issue though is that point system is really tough. With the generic point system, without like dedicating ten races to be the um, champion to the playoff, like the little playoff, you know they do points and then of course they crown a champion. Well, the issue, though, is that NASCAR realized, I think, I think it was after 2003 when Matt Kenseth won the championship, he won him with, like, seven races to go, I think, or five races to go. And NASCAR noticed that, yeah, the attendance kind of dropped a little bit. It's like, well, people are just going to show up for just a normal race. We need to make sure that each and every race is important. So that's why NASCAR created the playoff format. Now, the original playoff format was... 10 drivers and the point system and a point and a point system but it it did work but then a guy named Jimmy Johnson came in and won five championships in a row NASCAR completely changed the playoff system I think the whole point system entire points three times during that span and then after 2013 NASCAR's decided you know what even though we had a compelling championship, we want more people to be in it to win it for the championship. So that's why they came up with the current playoff format. Um, the win you're in, which introduced 16 drivers in the playoffs. All you had to do basically is win, and then you're basically in the playoffs. Because most of the drivers, NASCAR knows that most of the drivers who basically win are normally in the playoffs. So why not have that as a benefit? Why not have 
why not that be the benefit? You know, then you can win more races. The more races you win, the higher you have playoffs. That really was the case until I think 2016, because everyone was back in the clean slate, I think that's how they usually do it, instead of doing the playoff points. You would think the playoff points were actually introduced because of maybe a guy like Jimmy Johnson. It was actually introduced because of William Byron. William Byron, uh, who was in the truck series, actually, at the time, he was very dominant. He should have won the championship that year. But what happened was he had blew an engine with, I think, 20 laps to go in the race, and he didn't make it to the championship. And then Byron went on to win the Homestead race, which, if he wasn't in the championship, the guy in second won the champion. But... Byron would have won the championship had not he had that engine issue, which then led to NASCAR, including the stage points, which is the current format we are currently in. I do not like the regular season champion, though, as well as we've seen other drivers, because there's no point of a regular season champion. It's just another way of saying, oh, you're the regular season champion, use a trophy. Re what really matters is the whole season itself. You can't just reward somebody, regular season championship, like a champion and a trophy for just for that. Now, you want the real thing, the cup, and that's what I think that only my only, I think, hatred of it. No such thing as a regular season champion. There's only one champion, and that's the champion who lifts the cup at the end of the season. So, we're going to get into how the playoffs work. So, how it works, the 16 drivers who either won their way in, or if there are not enough drivers, they point their way in with the regular season champion. They all get seeded by three things. Stage wins. If they win a stage during this season, they get a playoff point. If they won a race, five points per each win they have. And also, if they finish in the top ten regular season points, they also get a uh, they also get bonus points as well. That's how they seed the playoffs. And then they do ten races. Everyone starts on with what they have, and they go down the order. And they go down the order. First three races, first three races, the round 16. 16 drivers battled out. After three races, they eliminate the bottom four. The bottom four get eliminated after each and every race. Plus, if you do, if any one of the drivers win, they're in the next round. And then the points get reset back to where it was at the beginning of the round of 16, except that if they got stage wins or stage points or wins, they would be automatically added on to throughout the throughout the playoffs. And then the same process goes applies through the round of 16, through the round of 12, and then through the round of 8 into the championship 4. This, and then at the final race of the year, they do a race within a race. The four contenders basically just race each other. All you have to do is beat the first one of the four drivers to cross the finish line first at the end of the race, and you win the championship. You don't necessarily need to win the race, However, though, when this playoff format was introduced, the champion has the champion's determined by the winner of the race. So there's just really no. I mean, we might see, just see that happen again this year. So that's the case. So let's just take a look at the playoffs and the tracks that we are going to because that is something we have to keep an eye on. Oh, it is exciting! It's exciting to look at um we start off with the first track in the round of 16 darlington starts off sunday then richmond which is a three four mile short track and then bristol that's the round of 16 we cut off eliminate the bottom four drivers we reset and we go to the next three tracks which is las vegas talladega and the charlotte roll we eliminate the bottom four again. We go to the three tracks. Texas, Kansas, and Martinsville on Halloween. We eliminate the bottom four drivers. And then we have the championship four race, which is on the 7th, which is on Sunday, November 7th. And we determine the race within the race to determine the championship. Phoenix, and those are all tracks that are repeat races, except for the Charlotte Roval. But, of course, and another thing to add on, since before COVID times, NASCAR's had that formula where uh, they determined the lineup. The playoff drivers start ahead. So, what happened in playoff drivers? They start ahead. 
So that's a really good thing too. You only get to qualify, practice, and race is on the championship weekend. So that's the only time you get to do that. So that's pretty good. It's a good to have for NASCAR. Um, now I think I should go over the playoff drivers because we need to talk about the 16 guys who qualified themselves in for the playoffs. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go from each one from 16 to first. I will explain their season, give them some stats, give them some highlights for the season, and uh, we'll see how things go. And uh, that will give, and if you are listening to this right now and you probably don't know how to fill your playoff grid, well, guess what? This is the show for you because we're going to go through all the 16 drivers. You guys are going to get your... uh, uh, inside scoop into those drivers, and I might give you some little bit tips and tricks because these, because definitely, because you're probably gonna need them because the feeling how these streets are hard, and trust me, you probably want that to happen because I gotta tell you, it is very hard to, to predict these playoffs even at the beginning of the season. So let's do it. I think it is very hot, tough to predict these playoffs. Trust me, because things change, and. You know, we've had, you know, regulation changes. We've gone to new tracks. The playoff schedule has relatively still been intact. So I don't think... The only thing I think it's going to affect is the championship race. Because now we're having practice qualifying. So each and every driver will have a chance to at least tune their setups and all that. So without further ado, let's welcome in the 20... The... 20 drivers the 16 drivers who qualify for the playoffs in from the last seed to the first seed i will explain their season give them their statistics and past playoff experiences because we we have to talk about their past playoff experiences too and for the guy who is at number 16th if you had told me that this guy would be the last seed in the playoffs have no wins only two playoff points after becoming the one of the most dominant, having one of the most dominant seasons ever, and probably should have won the championship last year, I would have said take a hike. But here we are. And then the guy is in number 16th is Kevin Harvick. Uh, side note for Harvick as well, he'll have a brand new sponsor. Remember I said that Jimmy John's sponsor for Kevin Harvick? Yeah, they dropped after Michigan two weeks ago. So guess what the new sponsor is for Kevin Harvick? Yeah, Subway. So Subway is now the new... Sponsor for Kevin Harvick. Can't wait to see what the subway car is going to look like in two weeks from t- two weeks' time. So, um, yeah. So, but it has been a shocking season for Kevin Harvick. Definitely, I think, statistically, his worst season for Struhas Racing since he joined back in 2014 when he won the championship. And I'm just going to give the statistic right now. He's, he's got 2,002 points. He's got two stage points, obviously. They started with 2,000. So, we started with no wins, obviously, six six top fives, 16 top tens, and one DNF, and 109 laps led. Compared to last year, because last year is where I think a lot of people probably were thinking that he's the dominant, he had not nine wins, 20 top fives, 27 top tens, and at, oh, and I forgot to say this as well because he had to say the average finish. So he had an average finish of 7.3 last year. This year, he has an average finish of 11.5, which is pretty abysmal, I think, for Kevin Harvick standards. The wins are what really is. Because I can't believe we're sitting here and Kevin Harvick has not had a win yet. He has not come, I don't think, a sniff close to wins and you're expecting me to say that he had a good season i'm gonna tell you this he's he's not having a good season to say the least it would be i think a miracle if he can um even sneak around i don't know if he can make it out of the round of 16 to be honest maybe he can because of the consistency but at the same time i just don't know what what that four cars got you know he could come out of the playoffs rocket on fire or be quiet as a snooze ball it's just unbelievable it's just unbelievable and the fact that we're sitting here and i have to make a judgment where he's either gonna 
be in the championship four or be eliminated in the round of 16. It's kind of difficult. It's very difficult to make these judgments, people. Oh, and if people ask me, well, is this what, what was the worst season before Harvick this season, but basically before Harvick's worst season? And that would probably be in, in Sturhaus, I should say. Uh, and that would actually be in 2017. Uh, that was the first year they swapped to Ford. And Harvick won two races. He won at Sonoma and he won at Texas. And he still finished there in the championship. He made it to the Final Four. So, to have Harvick be at the bottom of the playoff grid, it gets me really shaken up. I know Sturhaus races has not had a good season. We'll get to his teammate in just a little bit. But, I guess it's very hard to make a judgment for Harvick. Usually I would say, oh, easy, Final Four contender. I've been doing that for the last few years. Well, this year is going to be, what? Like, it's, it just, I don't know. It really is very tough for me to to ex, um, to describe Harvick's season because he's just not been very, he's just not been good. It's been way worse than last year. So, if I had to say if Harvick can make it, if if Harvick makes it out, makes it to the final four, that is going to be it's going to be unbelievable. Uh, that if Harvick makes it to the final four, that'll be a monumental accomplishment for Harvick to win the championship. By the way, the lowest seed driver to win a championship in this kind of format would have to be Tony Stewart back in 2011, where he won the half of the last ten races. And by the way, he won it on a tiebreaker when he won the race at Homestead. And he was 11th before the playoffs started. So, there you go. And that was back when they had 12 drivers. It's going to be really interesting if Kevin Harvick makes this comeback work. But, 10 years ago, we saw Tony Stewart rallied off. A lot of people written him off as not going to win the championship. And he somehow won the championship 10 weeks later. So, I would not write off Kevin Harvick yet, but it is looking more doubtful, I'll say the least. It's looking doubtful, but again, prove me, he could prove us wrong. So that's that. So that's the Harvick. That's in for Harvick. Now we move on to Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick barely, and at, at fifth, as the 15th seed, he barely got out of the, got out, got in the playoffs. And how did he do that? Well, basically simple. He First of all, number one, he had a freaking Survivor Daytona, which he got caught up in a wreck, I think, with 20 to go. Looks like he had the radiator punched out. He, his team, he and his team, his team worked on really well. They were able to get the car back. The car actually still ran. Austin Dillon uh, had his team and Austin Dillon had battery issues. Then Dillon was in position to win. He didn't win. No one knew one. And that's why Dillon, um, Dillon not make fails. Reddick did. Um, so congrats to Tyler Reddick. Uh, Reddick stats for the year so far this year. I'm just going to pull this. Um, I'm using racing reference, which we're going to look at the racing reference standings for the freaking Formula 1 race because that's absolutely unbelievable. But we're going to talk. We're going to get there. So Reddick's currently standings are stats are this as of now. Two top fives. Two zero wins, obviously. Two top fives. 13 top tens. A pull. And... An average finish of 14.6, which I think as of, I mean, if we look at um, Reddick's uh, uh, thing, it's probably rounds slightly a little bit better. His average finish is slightly better than last year. It was a 16.7 uh, through, through through last year's races. It's been a slightly better season for Tyler Reddick. Um, but it's kind of interesting because Reddick did get a second place, and you get a second place at... Uh, Homestead, Miami, but I don't know for the Reddick either. I would, I was very shocked that Tyler Reddick is not in contention for wins like this. I mean, maybe they haven't been inconsistent. I think the, by the way, too, the RCR guy should be really strong because they also have the, the, he, them and Hendrick Motorsports because they used to have two different engine shops. They're actually alliance, so they all have uh this they share the same day now so now both of those teams should do well it's surprising that reddick hasn't really been in contention for wins i thought right by now we would see him 
gets a victory lane, but I'm just not sure if he can really do it. Um, I'm... It's really tough because Reddick has also been kind of inconsistent. Consistency is key. Or maybe I should say consistency, maybe in the top 15, mostly in the top 10. He's like right around the top 12 kind of guy, I think. The only problem I think with Reddick is that he hasn't been threatening for wins. And I feel like he should be threatening for wins by now. But he's not yet like ready to be threatened yet. Threatening win, threatening wins. Now, obviously, he was in the Xfinity playoffs twice in 2017 and 2018. No, 2018-2019. He was in the playoffs for the Xfinity series and won both championships by virtue of the same format. So we could potentially say that Reddick has that experience. The only issue, though, is the level playing field is just very tough. So. I don't know. We'll see if Reddick can probably make it out of the round of... I would like to see him make it out of the round of 16 because I really want to see him how how he does. But I don't know. I'm still debating on whether I should put him out of the round of 16 or put him in the, in the round of 12. I just don't know. And that goes the same thing with Kevin Harvick. So that's Reddick and, and, and the 15th seed. The 14th seed is Eric Amarillo, who I believe really shocked us all. And New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Eric Amarola somehow got in the playoffs. By the way, before Eric Amarola won New Hampshire, he was 29th in the championship standings before he got that win. Eric Amarola's had a terrible year. Probably one of his worst years in the Cup Series. They've been running like 28th, like top 30. They were like in the low 20s. Uh, high 20s, actually. They're running in the high 20s in the position ordering. And especially even in the recent weeks. I just don't know what's going on with the Stras bunch. And Eric Amarillo did get that win at New Hampshire. Although, he kind of got a little lucky because eight laps into the race, uh, the top three wrecked because there was rain on the racetrack and NASCAR wasn't paying attention. And they had our store in the race eight laps because of darkness where Christopher Bell was closing in on him, which we'll get to in just a little bit. And Eric Amarillo ended up winning the race. Had the eight laps been ran, um, I think Bell would have caught him and probably passed him. So Eric Amarillo kind of got a little lucky with that win. But we're not going to credit. Got to give all credit to do. Eric Amarillo did get that win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, which takes a lot of skill to master. It wasn't at Daytona. It wasn't at Talladega like his other two wins were. It was actually at a track where you needed some skill. And Eric Amarillo proved it, actually. He was running in the top five all race long. So, technically, yeah, I think he kind of deserved it. At the same time, he kind of got a little lucky. But Eric Amarillo has been out in the round of 16, the, I think, the last three years. He's at least made it to the round of 12 in all of the years. I know that for a fact. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did. maybe he actually didn't make it out. He didn't make it into the round of 16. Maybe he did. No, he did not. He made. It. He got eliminated in the round of 16. It just feels like Eric Amarola should be winning more races. I don't know what it is. I really don't know. I really don't know what Eric Amarola is doing. But um, I just really don't know if Eric Amarola can even win. Um. It's going to be really interesting as well to see if Eric Amarillo can go throughout the playoffs. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to mention his stats because I'm literally just talking about him. I should read his stats. Eric Amarillo, this is his stats for this year. Making sure that the stats for this year. Uh, Eric Amarillo's stats for this year include one win, two top fives, three top tens, a pull, by the way. He probably got a pull from the lineup. An average finish of 21st. <laughs> Eric Amarillo probably has the worst stats. Stats, statistics, ever. His air treasures are so much better. Eric Amarillo probably has the worst statistics, I think. And probably the worst average finish of out of the playoff drivers. I think. I think that's true. I think he probably has the worst. Yeah, he does have the worst average finish out of the playoff drivers. Which is very interesting, uh, to say the least. So, wow. Do I expect him to go this far in the playoffs? I really don't know. I don't even know what's going on with the Sturhaus bunch that much. Are they really playing? Are they really going to put all that effort in the playoffs? Or they're just going to wait till 
the uh, fine the next season when the next gen car comes out. I really have no idea. That's the reason why it's tough to make these playoff predictions. You know Eric Amarola is probably going to at least make it out of the round of 16, but then you look at how he's doing, and you're probably thinking, like, should he really be out of the round of 16? I think he should be eliminated. You know, he should be going home early, but who knows? Who knows at this point, but it's an abysmal season for Eric Amarola, to say the least. Probably the worst driver, I would say, statistically, in the playoffs. Probably... Probably this. Even Michael McDowell has better statistics, which we're going to get to right now. Uh, well, right now. Uh, because Michael McDowell is the next driver on the playoff list. Wow, Michael McDowell. How about Michael McDowell finally making the playoffs? Of course, he won the Daytona 500. Uh, front row motorsports. If you don't know Michael McDowell, he's a great road course racer. A Finally, again, that win. I mean, he doesn't have to be remembered for that Texas wreck that he flipped over in 2008, test being a test cr crash test dummy for the neck uh, for the COT. <laughs> it's just very funny that Michael McDowell, and, and he's he's getting tired of people playing that gif, like the gif, the video. He just wants to be remembered for something else. Finally, a Daytona 500 winner. The only issue though is Michael McDowell. And I'm just going to read off you his statistics because it's really, it's really kind of interesting. He has one win, two top fives, five top tens, an average finish of 19.7. Compare that to 20.9. So it kind of was, Michael McDowell's kind of right around that uh, threshold a little bit in the average finish category. He did get that win at Daytona. He was into winning at Talladega as well. Don't get me wrong. He was also into winning. He got that second place finish. Almost won. Or actually, William Byron finished second. But he was into winning. He was actually finished, he finished third. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how Michael Dalla does. Front row motorsports, I don't know what the heck they're going to be planning on doing. I know the next gen car comes out next year. But it would be cool to see Michael Dalla give it everything he's got. Maybe he can sneak out of the round of 16. And if he does and able to sneak in the round of 16... I would not be surprised if he could get in the round of eight because we got the Charlotte Global, and then we of course we have Talladega, which Michael I know Daytona he had a blown engine, but usually Michael McDowell puts himself he's a good plate racer and always puts himself in the position to win. You better put if you do end up putting him in the round of twelve, you might put him in the round of eight if he can try to knock off one of those two racetracks. I don't know if he can. I don't even know. Usually they're around a sixteen exit, but again. They're there. He's there, and he's there for the tanking. And it's great to see Michael Dowell, you know, get the playoff, get the playoffs, and get some sponsorships, a little more uh, attention. And so that's the good thing about having like a low, like a small team like Front Row Motorsports, who um, who uh, needs some funding and all that stuff, and they get sponsored. Sponsorships get more on TV now with the playoffs. So that's really good for McDowell. At least loves travel spot stops and. All freight auctions and all of those sponsors are going to get more TV time thanks to Michael McDowell being winning in the playoffs. That's why winning a NASCAR race is more beneficial than everything, especially when you won the Daytona 500. It's a life-changing win. You can ask McDowell that. Totally life-changing. Now let's get on to Christopher Bell, who is the 12th seed in the playoffs. Uh, Christopher Bell, first year in Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs Racing Equipment. He was in the Fine Family Racing last year, who now, what is now 2311. Um, he's had a pretty good season so far. Of course, he got that win the Daytona Road Course. So let's take a look at the win. Let's take a look at statistics up to today. One win, four top fives, 10 top tens, an average finish of 17th, which is not bad. And I think it's probably better than this year. Average finish is 23.3. So he has, he is a little bit better this year. This year than last year. Although Bell has. I think he's still the 4th best Gibbs car. And in fact NF Stevens' crew chief. Who used to be Kyle Busch's crew chief. Um, I think they both work together pretty well. It's going to be interesting to see how Christopher Bell does in the playoffs this year. I don't know if he's going to go. At least maybe to the round of 8. As possible. Because I think it, the playoff field is very tough. And keep in mind too. It's only his second year in his cup series. And pl plus I think Bell is still a little bit inconsistent um although like i said you know 
I think Bell can easily go to a track and at least have a shot of winning it. Now, could he have won in New Hampshire? I think he'll probably be good at short tracks. I think that short track card that they brought in New Hampshire, I think definitely will help him at Richmond and definitely will help him at Bristol. Bristol, oh, by the way, we're going to the Bristol like racetrack. We're not going to the dirt Bristol. We're going to the real one. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what Christopher Bell does. Um, I will be really, I'll be really shocked if Bell... Bell makes it to the round of eight. I would be really shocked if he does that. I think easily he probably could make it to the round of 12, at least. But, again, you don't know how... You know, you can make assumptions, but that's why you put down your playoff grid and then you see how they do. They may do better, they may do worse. Who knows? But I think that's what I believe Bell could really do. Then we get on to Kurt Busch, who is the 11th seed. Um... Of course, I, I think it's my little side note as well. I think I said if you were listening to my top 10 storylines of the podcast, you probably know the Silly Season. I talked about Silly Season, and one of the storylines I did say was Kurt Busch is going to 2311 Racing. Well, just last weekend, Kurt Busch was confirmed that he will drive for 2311 Racing in the number 45 Toyota. Also, with the numbers moving forward, not as forward was they saw in the video, clarified by Danny Emma, but we can talk about that a little in another show. Right now, we're talking about Kurt Busch. Of course, the last 10 seasons for 10 races for Chip Ganassi Racing. Kurt Busch last year got into the round of eight. He had a really good playoff run um, last year. So I'm just going to give you uh, Kurt Busch's statistics from last year. He has one. He got one win when he won in Las Vegas. Seven top fives, 19 top tens, and an average finish of 13.4. Right now, through 26 races, Kurt has... A one win for top fives, nine times tens, and an average finish of 16th. So, probably a little bit worse this year for Kurt Busch. It has been a mediocre season for Busch, but he did get that win in Atlanta, beating his brother Kyle for that win. So, that was pretty cool for Kurt to get that win and secure himself in the playoffs as well. Um, that round of eight playoff was really good for Kurt Busch. Can he repeat that, though, is the question. And the answer to that is maybe. If Bush can do this, if he's looking for that same magic. I mean, we'll see what happens to Kurt. If he can do that same magic, easily round of eight. And maybe an up underdog for the round of for the four, final four picks. But I don't know. We'll see. The Ganassi... The next guy has, I mean, the Ganassi are just racing for pride now at this point. I mean, Bush has got nothing to lose, basically. Because he knows he's going to a different team. He knows he's got 10 races to go with Ganassi. He's got to at least give it a shot. Hopefully get another one more win for Chip before they sell the team. They Before the team becomes the new track as racing. Um, yeah, let's see what Kirk can do. I would like to see if Kirk can make it to the round of eight. I'll be, I'll be happy, very happy, if Kirk can put the Ganassi car in the championship four and maybe have a shot at the second title. Um... But I don't know. I think this year is just going to be a little bit likely. But that. But again, that's why we predict the. That's why we do the playoff grids because we think what we think could not maybe be different. I think last year I had Kurt Busch going out the round of twelve, and he made it to the round of eight. So good job for Kurt. Kurt proved me wrong, and he might prove me wrong this year. So we'll see. Number ten, and I'm surprised where they are low. Number ten on the playoff sheet is Brad Kislowski. Um, yeah, Kislowski, one win this year, of course, at Talladega, but let's go through his stats this year, which is one win, seven top fives, ten top tens, an average finish of 14.5. Compare that to last year, where he finished second in the standings, he had four wins, 13 top fives, uh, 24 top tens, and an average finish of 10.1. Kislowski has not been, is not been doing well this year. I don't know what's going on with the Penske cars. Oh my god, they are not doing good. I know that Keselowski's got 10 more races to go before he goes to Roush, but there's got to be something going on with Brad that I'm not sure about. Um, the Penske cars have been lacking in pace lately. Um, they just haven't been contenders. Um, I think maybe it was last year where I saw Keselowski and Logano not have spells, and then they end their spells, I think, in the playoffs. Um, I could be wrong, 
Yeah, because Logano ended his uh, playoff drought in uh, um, at Texas. No, at Kansas. But still, that that just doesn't seem right. That Kislowski is still like has one win. I think Kislowski should have more than one win by now. But I don't know what's going on with Kislowski lately. I mean, the performance has not been going good with um, the team Penske cars. Only one team best car has been running well. We'll get to him in a little bit, but it seems weird that Keselowski's not having um, a great of a season. So we'll see what happens to Keselowski in the rest um, in the next ten races if he can focus on getting that championship. He's going to need to improve that, Rick, um, into improve his uh, finishing position because yeah, he's been consistent, but he's been consistently uh, he's been consistently behind uh, Blaney. And so has been his teammate, Joey Logano, who comes in the next, um, who comes in at number nine. Um, Logano this season has had one win, eight top fives, 13 top tens, an average finish of 13.5. He did win in Dirt Bristol. If you want to compare that to last season, I mean, we just have to compare it there, where Logano has had three wins, 12 top fives, 21 top tens, of course, and then, of course, his average finish is 11.9. So, both Logano and Kislowski have been doing worse this worse last year. Worse this year than last year. I just don't know what it is with this, these two Penske cars. I mean, significantly, I mean, Blaney's been doing fantastic. And we're going to get to Blaney in just a little bit because Brian Blaney's been on a hot streak. And when I'm talking about hot, I mean really hot. So, it's just, it just feels weird that look. Logano and Kislowski just have not have the speed yet. Um, usually, if if you're not okay, you may be running with the both Logano and Logano and um, Kislowski probably are in the same boat. I think they probably have the two best Penske cars. But recently, Blaney's had the best Penske car, and Logano and Kislowski are basically just both second best cars. Unfortunately, maybe Blaney has a better shot at winning the championship this year than Kislowski and Logano. By the way, those two made the final four last year. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what Logano and Keselowski do in the playoffs. Team Penske, you know, Blaney's been doing fantastic, but Logano and Keselowski have been doing mediocre this year. Probably not as, um, probably not as, not as, um, hot as what they were last year. I thought that Blaney, one of those two could easily won the title, but this year they've been... They've been down a little bit, so we'll see what happens in the next 10 races if um, these two can actually uh, bump it up. Then we move on to number 8, which is my driver, Willie B. William Byron. Byron qualified his way in the playoffs by a win at Homestead in the third race of the year. Byron's had a much better season this year than I think last year. Of course, with the first-year new crew chief, Rudy Fugel, who was with the crew chief, when he had um, him in the truck series, which they end up having that dominant season. Byron this year has had one top, one win, nine top fives, 16 top tens, <coughs> excuse me, uh, two poles, and of course an average finish of 13.1. And he's probably approved that average finish, I believe, because he's 16.2, so he kind of approves it a little bit. But Byron's had a couple of bad races, and some some of the bad race. I think he's had like maybe two bad races, where, you know, I think it wasn't his problem. Uh, was basically just straight bad. I think Road America was bad because the pit crew really did stink, um, really stinked. Um, I believe Sonoma was a definitely one because they got the strategy one Pope, and of course, uh, I believe. Um, what was the other race? Atlanta, they were just dude, they were just terrible. They were just terrible, terrible, terrible that day. Um, but other than that, William Byron's had a better season. Although that one win is kind of like, um, I would say, and then of course the other bad finish that Byron's had is just bad luck. Um, he's uh, had, and he was running fourth when the curb hit. Uh, he got caught in a wreck at Daytona. Um, he had that break issue. Um, Brakes were going out. Of course, he got caught in the early record page, 100. So that's basically just that, I think, for William Byron. Other than that, he's had a better season, I think, than ever before. Um, the only thing that's holding William Byron back is the pit crew. I've said this once, I'm going to say this again. William Byron's pit crew is probably the worst pit crew in the NASCAR Cup Series. I'm sorry. 
Hendrick Motorsports has provided William Byron the worst pit crew in the history of NASCAR. They lost, I think, lost more positions, I think, than any other driver in the history in the uh, season, I believe. Unless you can find any other something like that, I don't know. And it goes down the Homestead race. That Homestead race, when William Byron won the race, his pit crew lost him, I think, a total of 13, lost him 13 positions. Byron won the race. I just don't know what to say. If William Byron's pit crew is the one that costs him a playoff spot, cost him a shot, and maybe even make it to the championship four, then Hendrick Motorsports better do something about it, because they got the driver, they got the crew chief, if they can get the pit crew right, you could probably win the championship. Remember, it's a team sport. Pit crew's got to do well. Um, a lot of people have been actually putting William Byron in the round of eight. Um, some people put William Byron in the round final four. I think I last year... I put William. I think I put William Byron in the round of eight last year, and he got out of the round of sixteen. This year, I think I would put him in the round of eight if I if I were myself. I think I'd definitely put him in the round of eight. Um, it's just going to depend on how what I put as my other drivers, but I'm definitely for sure you. I think William Byron will probably be one of those guys who go in the round of eight. I don't think he'll go in the round. It depends on what happens in the final four. Now, I know that Richmond's not willing William Byron's best tracks, but then of course William Byron got a freaking uh, top. Five at Richmond, so I think, yeah, I think, I think you could do it. I think they could do it. So that's number eight on William Byron. Number seven on the list is Denny Hamlin. Hamlin is winless uh, this year. Um, but let's just go over Hamlin's statistics. Hamlin has zero wins, thirteen top fives, ten, seventeen top tens. An average finish of a 9.1. And of course he won six times last year. And made the championship four last year. But Hamlin has not won a race. And you would think by now Denny Hamlin would have at least won one race by now. Yeah, I know he got turned around in the Indy Lepis Royal Course by Chase Briscoe. While um, Chase Briscoe was under Chase Briscoe was under a penalty. I guess I can give him that benefit of the doubt, but as much as I'd rather say this, Hamlin would have won two races by now. The dirt Bristol race, he was on Logano's bumper for so long, then he decided to take the high lane on the restart that he needed to pass him. And then, of course, he let Alex Bowman get away on two tires and tried to chase him down, but ran out of time. So it's very, very weird that Hamlin comes into this playoffs, you know, as with no wins. Will Denny Hamlin even win a race either? You know, he was the other guy that also won a lot of races last year. He's won nothing. He's got at least one win, win one. Maybe Hamlin can win in the playoffs. But I think, obviously, if you're asking me, he should easily be a round eight contender. Then we move on to number six on the list, and another guy who's in the sixth seed right now who's having a fantastic year is Alex Bowman, who drives the 48 Ally Chevrolet. Um, Bowman also, I think, was pressured this year as to make or break season. He got that contract extension. Ally got to stick with him, and he's done a pretty good season. Bowman's statistics last year were this year were this: three wins, six top fives, thirteen top tens, and an average finish of fourteen point one. Um, Bowman has had the wins, but he's been inconsistent this year. Not to mention that um, he did win some stages. But Bowman, I could say this, he's been in, he was inconsistent last year and he made the round, the round of eight. And what happened was Bowman was able to improve his, I think, consistency and was running up front more. But this year has been different. Bowman has won more races. Good. But he's not gotten the consistency. Which is bad. Especially when you're driving in a car. I get it that Alex Bowman is probably going to do better, I think, as the um, as the uh, playoffs go on. But is he really going to be in the round of eight this year? I don't know. I really don't. I, re I don't know if the Henry Rosebrook's car is going to be doing better. Um, Bowman's been pretty good. Larson's been fantastic. And... Elliot's been okay, and then of course Byron's been improving. We'll see about. I've already said about Byron. I think Bowman can. It'll be. A, it'll. Be, I'll be shocked if Bowman makes the round of eight. I don't know if he's going to even make it to the round twelve. 
We'll see. I think I Bowman eliminated in round of 16. No, I put Bowman out of the round of 12. That's why I remembered. I have the playoff grid already set, so we're getting close. Bowman. We'll see about Bowman. I want to see Bowman improve. That's the only thing I'm asking for. Now we get to number five, which is the defending Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's statistics as of right now, two wins, 11 top fives, 16 top tens, and an average finish of 11th place. It's been a, um, I would say, a good season for Elliott. Yes, he did win the Range Shorter Coda, and then, of course, he won the inaugural NASCAR Cup race at, at Road America. But Elliott has not been on par with Kyle Larson. I get it that he's a great road course racer and all of that, but unfortunately, we only have one road course in the playoffs. Elliott has won in Barnesville to get himself into the championship form, and then, of course, won the the season finale at Phoenix to win the championship. I'm not expecting that Elliot magic. I mean, he did win the Roval, but I don't know. Are we going to expect Elliot to be a contender? I expect Elliot to at least make the round of eight. Could he make it to the final four is a very tough stretch. I think there's a lot of good contenders still out there that could probably top Elliot off. I just don't think Elliot's going to make it to the final four. But again, he could prove me wrong. But what I've seen from Elliot so far, maybe I think Elliot's not going to make it as far as probably what I think people probably originally thought of this year. Sorry for the background noise. Let's get down to number four on the list, which is Kyle Busch. So far in this season, dogs barking. Sorry about that. We had Kyle Busch, who currently has... Through 26 races, 2 wins, 11 top 5s, 16 top 10s, and an average finish of 12.1. So a little bit down, I think, better this year than last year. Kyle Busch went win, almost went winless. He was, like, he was just terrible. Terrible as the defending champion. And Bush went on to, I think, get eliminated in the round of 12. Kyle Busch. Um, sorry for the dog be barking. Uh, I'm trying to talk over my talk. Um... Let me paw. Um, I mean, the Kyle Bush really has had this this thing where he just has this really, really interesting. Uh, I don't know, maybe German staying tactic. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Kyle Bush can do this season. Of course, working with rookie crew chief Ben Bayshore looks to be a good decision. He's got two wins. I don't know. Maybe Kyle Bush could finally. I don't know, round of four maybe? Round of eight at least? I think that's what usually I think Kyle Busch is, but that's what I'll say the best. Then we get on to number three on the list, which is Martin Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. has had a fantastic season so far. I think he won three in a row, I think, at one point. Or maybe that was Kyle, or maybe that was Kyle Larson. But Truex, this is his statistics for right now, three wins, eight top fives, 13 top tens, and an average finish of 13 13th. Truex has been hot off the season starting for the first, I think, maybe first like 10 or 15 races. I think he was fantastic. Since then, Truex has kind of dipped a little bit in performance. Some is due to bad luck and some is due to because they're not running well. I'm very surprised that Martin Truex Jr. I think is one of the favorites to win them for the playoffs. Uh, Truex has had a slump so far in the summer. Unless he's going to pick it back up, I don't even know what to say about Truex. In the last couple of races, Truex has not been really good. Hasn't had really good. He's had crashes. He's had bad runs. And this is a guy who people thought early in the season would probably go up against Kyle Larson for the championship. I don't think Truex is going to make it. Ooh, that was just the wheel. But I don't know if Truex is going to even make it to the round of I don't know, around the four, eight, maybe the championship four. I don't know if Truex is not. I think Truex can definitely make it to the round eight. I think championship four is going to be a stretch this time around. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. Truex has just been, well, let's just say, meh. I think unless if he improves that rate, improves the, um, improves proves himself that he can run up front and probably can battle for Kyle Larson, it's going to be very tough for Truex to even have a shot at maybe even make it into the championship four. I don't think he's going to, but again, we'll see what he can do. 
But then we get on to number two on our list, who's been the hottest drive in the Cup Series, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney has had a multi-win season. He's got a multi-win season. Finally. We've been waiting for that for so long. He is currently second in the championship series. He's got three wins, eight top fives, 14 top tens, an average finish of 11.8. But the good thing about Blaney is that he got multi-win seasons. He's coming off of back-to-back wins. One was at Daytona, but they did get that win at Michigan. Of course, he won in Atlanta where he closed in on Kyle Larson. Blaney's probably the hottest driver in the Cup Series right now. He could potentially go on a tear. And I think Blaney could potentially be one of those contenders who could at least make it to the Final Four. I think well, this could be the year we finally see Ryan Blaney probably go in the Final Four. I don't think he'd go toe-to-toe with Larson, but I can get, give you a fact that Blaney could potentially sneak into the Final Four. I think Blaney is going to have a great playoff run this year. Last year, if you were wondering how Blaney did, an inspection issue basically put him behind the eight ball, and of course, he never recovered from the Alabama So, Blaney needs to do well. And I think Blaney will probably do well this year and probably will make it to the round of eight. And last but not least, we have the regular season champion and probably the clear-cut favorite for this year's NASCAR Cup Series championship is Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson has got a is having a fantastic year. He's gone. Statistics: five wins, fourteen top fives, eighteen top tens, a pole, and an average finish of nine point seven. He is probably the clear cut favorite for the championship. The only thing I could really put Larson against him is his past playoff experiences. Yes, he did make it to the round of eight. I can tell you that. Um, but I just don't know what to say. I mean, I think Larson could potentially sneak his way into the, sneak his way through the playoffs. I think easily he can make it to the round of, um, four. The question though is, is that who is he going to go against? Um, can he go against, um, a guys like Trix, Kyle Busch, Blaine, um, maybe even Harvick, maybe, yeah, definitely I think it could be them. But if it's like against his Hendrick teammates and one of his Hendrick teammates, I think I'll be really in big trouble. Um, I think Blaney's probably the only threat for him. The only other thing that I think Kyle Larson probably could probably is going to go against Larson um, is that the only track that I think he's really terrible at is Richmond. Um, because Bristol, well, Bristol, may Bristol as well, because we haven't raced in the Bristol Asphalt track yet, and he didn't race in the Bristol race, I think, a lot. Didn't, didn't race at Bristol at all last year. Um, there was another track, too, that... There was another track that we didn't race last year. Kansas, Kansas, he was pretty good. I'm trying to think of other tracks that Larson is. He won a Vegas, obviously. Um, Martinsville was good. Talladega, Talladega's like a curveball. And then, of course, the Louisville... Um, course well now he's good at road courses so we can say that Larson's good at road courses and everything so I think the only two tracks are basically in the college's worst tracks in the round of 16 and other than that I just don't see I don't see uh any way that uh Larson can potentially uh um I don't think I could see any way that Larson could get out of the round of uh could get out of the uh playoffs I think Larson's definitely going to cruise right into the Final Four unless he has one of the what happened to Harvick last year where he had a collapse in one of the rounds, which can happen, so keep that in mind. Um, but I think Larson is the clear-cut favorite for the champion. I think he's definitely probably going to be in the championship four. I think he probably, maybe, we're looking at your champion right now. But again, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see uh, in the next 10 weeks, but... Uh, I think Kyle Larson's probably going to be one of those final four people. And for the people, and that's basically your guide. I mean, you have the guide, really. You can go watch the races and watch the highlights and see what you could do with the driver. Remember, too, you have till Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time to submit your playoff grid. And then we'll see where we go. Ooh, good luck. And, uh, well, but the podcast's not over yet because we got to save a little bit of time for the 
F1 event at Belgium. I don't want to talk about it, but unfortunately we have to talk about it because what F1 did on Sunday or the FIA stewards or the officials put probably F1 in a bit of a, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, an embarrassment? I think it was an embarrassing moment. If you haven't not known for people who've reviewed, here's what happened. It was pouring at Spa, Frankenstein. We'll talk about Spa in a minute, but it was pouring, pouring, like absolutely pouring. So they got all the cars ready, and um, they went ahead and they went ahead and did one pace lap behind the pace car, safety car, whatever. And they were like, "Yeah, most drivers were the drivers were like, yeah, the conditions are too bad. Let's just pull in." So they were like, "Okay, let's just pull in. We'll wait for the rain to go by." Hours gone by, three or four hours gone by, the weather really has changed. Then F1 was like, okay, let's just go try it again. And I'm not keep the fans bored. They get out, the conditions probably worsened. And what F1 did was they did two laps behind the pace car, tried to at least get an hour race. They did two laps, pulled in the pits, and then called it a race and moved on. Oh my god. Oh no, that's... Well, first off, let me just say this. The point of we couldn't race the conditions, I certainly understand. That was 100% correct. There was no way they were going to race in those conditions. Absolutely no way. There was just no way at all you would run a race in those kinds of conditions. It was just monsooning. The visibility was terrible. And that's that. But running two laps behind the pace, parade laps behind the pace car... Then calling the race, giving out half points and trophies and spraying sparkling wide, and say, yeah, that was our race, really puts the sport in disrepute. If I were the freaking, and I know Jean Todd put announcements saying that, um, because he, of course, he's the president of the FIA, um, he said they're going to take a look at it. They're going to take a look at it and probably see what they can do, which certainly they should, because... What we saw on Sunday was absolute disgrace and I think an embarrassment for everyone. Now, people probably thought that the United States Grand Prix in 2005 was worse than that. Well, in a historical standpoint, yes, but we did get a six-car race. We did get a race. What we got on Sunday is actually not a race at all. They can clarify, they can say it is, which within the rule book. It's just it just makes it look like makes them look F one and the FIA. It makes the the world's biggest motorsport look like idiots, basically. I just and I hate to say this, and Lewis and whether you hate him or not, from regardless of what happened in the Silverstone or not, Lewis Hamilton is one hundred percent correct. The fans should be refunded. That is not a race. They didn't fulfill their criteria, entertain the fans with putting on a race. You couldn't do that because of the weather, and you didn't refund them. They still have to refund the fans to this day, which is absolutely, and people wasted the money. You know what that does? That makes the fans not go to Spa. I get that Spa has had controversy and stuff. It's an old school track, and I get it. But it's been a tourist attraction for F1 I think I've heard it's been one of the most popular tracks to go to. And that happens because of that. Where they could have clearly said, okay, you know what? Let's just postpone it until tomorrow. Where they could have literally, it's possible they could have just postponed the race till tomorrow. And at least try another go. Or at least try to postpone it somewhere later in the week. You know, it's it's something that uh, I think we have to... What we have to figure out. And the other thing too is that I don't know why F1 has like a weather guaranteed policy. Maybe that's the first time that F1's had like a big rain delay. And I get it. But the fans got nothing. And it's like oh there's their fault. It's their fault for paying tons and tons of money. And I think F1 is very expensive I believe. So for that to happen is a disgrace. Because for me. If I want to go to an F1 race. And I see that. Well, then I'm going to say I'm not going to go. Because they could do something like that to me. And I will waste my money. And I'll spend it on something else. 
that I know will be weather guaranteed, like NASCAR, where they clearly have a weather policy, and I know that I can make it to the next state. I get it, there were some outside obstacles and all stuff, but you have to understand that a two-lap parade lap, then award points, which I think it's disgraceful. You come off of a summer break, and you and you got big headlines as one of the most competitive championships in all time with Lewis and Max Verstappen. You have that competitive championship. The headlines have been going well. F1's doing very good. And then you put this on? That is an absolute farce. It's asinine. It's bullshit. It's it's idiotic. It makes the not only the sport, not only the officials, but the sport look stupid. That's what I said and what I meant by every one of those P person who was on the grid and watching and who were officiating should be embarrassed. Embarrassed. They should be. Because literally you call that a race? I wonder, if, and I'm sure that Martin Brundle probably didn't say anything. Because I don't think Martin Brundle would have said anything. I think his mind was probably going straight to, oh, this is going to be like US 2005, isn't it? Where we had the freaking six-car race. No, this shouldn't have happened. And I think Martin Brundle's probably shaking his head like, we didn't have a race. I just want to know what the fans have said. And Twitter and social media was like, Max didn't deserve this win. He probably got the easiest win in his career. If I were the... First off, if I was Jean Todd right now, I would have fired Michael Massey immediately. That is... To say that you've done everything you could to get the race in today, you could say that. But I think the wording of Michael Massey, the way that the F1 said, oh, we tried to get everything the race in today. Okay, then try tomorrow. Don't say, yeah, Mother Danger won today. We, but what we did was the rule, it's just, it makes it seem like F1 found a, a curveball. The officials found a curve, like a curveball or something, um, use a loophole or something like that. Just something, wait, it just, what happened on Sunday, it made the sport look like idiots. Which... I thought they would learn from US 2005, and maybe they didn't learn this from US 2005 as well. You have to understand your audience. The fans who paid money, paid hard money, traveled to the racetrack to watch your to watch you to watch 20 of the best drivers, their favorite drivers, race. What they got was a two-lap race behind the safety car in pouring rain after a four-hour rain delay. Same thing goes with the US 5 GP 2007. You know, it was a sold out crowd in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and they couldn't find a solution to the Michelle and Tire problem. And what they got was a six car race. Fans were stunned. They, what they did, they didn't do, they didn't realize their number one priority. The fans who paid the, their hard earned cash to come and watch your race. It's it just goes to show you how bad F one really is about a cash like a cash grabbing sport. You know, money talks is right, but you know the common sense being they should have refunded the fans. And um, and here's what's even worse. You know, if Spa doesn't get good ratings next year because of you know fans are not in attendance, go back to the last race. Go back to this race. Because that's exactly what happened. It really could affect F1. Oh, and by the way, as I'm recording the podcast, it is supposed to rain in Sanford, and that's supposed to be thunderstorming. Now we know that it's going to actually happen. Now we know that what they're going to do is going to happen. And that's what we don't want. And for the fact that Jean Todd said, okay, we'll discuss the next meeting, where I think this should have been discussed immediately. No waits. Because this could happen again. They can't just say, oh, this will never happen again. It probably will happen on sun- on Sunday, for all we know. So, you gotta understand that they gotta take care of this. And they will review the rules. And I'm sure there will be some adjustment to the rules. And I'm sure in the fact that we're probably gonna get some new rules where 
they probably going to have to postpone it to another day, probably to the next day if they have to, and they'll probably refund the fans. That is probably what they should do. But clearly, in my mind, I think they should refund the fans immediately. There's no way they should not be going on. And if I were them also, I would not count that race. As much as I rather would say, I know George Russell wants a podium. If you want to keep the podiums, you don't want to keep the podium... You can give him a statistic or something like that, or at least an asterisk on it. Because I know G- George Russell got his first pony, but he did two laps behind the safety car. He got a great qualifying run. Could he have easily gotten a podium if there... Maybe, but it just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense to the casual race fan. It doesn't make sense to a, a freaking diehard F1 fan. F1, FI, need to understand the one thing's for sure. You have to entertain the people, the fans, the one people that pay their money for, the race fans themselves. If you don't do that, if you don't fulfill that criteria, and don't give them a refund, you're basically just putting yourself, making yourself look like fools. So, in my mind, what if you said well, what I would have done, I would have postponed until tomorrow. I would have postponed until tomorrow, we'll cancel the race. Whatever works better, give them the refund. They knew that they were not going to get the race in. And they should have... I think abandoning the race was one thing, but doing the two laps was probably embarrassing. Embarrassing. And I'm sure, probably, unless you're Max Verstappen or George Russell, every driver is basically saying the same thing. It was embarrassment. We should not race today. And that's that. So, I just want to get my my opinion out there um, for the people who probably were asking me about the race. So I really hope that F1 does something different next time from now on in the future because they're going to they're gonna make them... If they don't do something like this, this is this should not even count. I mean, I think it is worse than the US 2005 because technically a race did happen because the USGP race, a six-car race happened for 71 laps. A 20-car race and heavy downpour parade around two laps behind the pace car is not a real race. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. It's not a real race in my opinion, and they should really remove the race from the schedule. End of story. The race should not happen. And it um and maybe they'll just not count it, I guess, in the end. Who knows? They probably may not count it. I think that's what they're gonna probably do. They're probably gonna wait till when they get the meeting and they're probably gonna be like, you know what, let's not count the race because it'll be confusing for fans, it'll be confusing for everyone. How about that? But that's gonna do it. So but that's gonna do it for the podcast. Um I thank you all so much for listening to it from all of the hard things I had to go through. Uh, but we got the podcast into this week, so that's the good thing about it. Good luck filling out your playoff grids. Tune in on Friday. This Friday, the uh, I think it will be the 4th, the 3rd, the 3rd, for my first ever fun, fun night uh Fun night on Twitch where we get to play some games and I'll fill out my playoff grid in front of the people. So, and hopefully you too, too, and enjoy entering the contest because I really want to get a lot of people in there. I thought it would be a nice and fun, exciting way to do it. So, good luck filling out those playoff grids and I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care for now. Bye bye. <laughs>